0: Chapter 7 of the Fortunate Foundlings by Eliza Haywood. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Helen Taylor. Chapter 7 An Explanation of the Foregoing Adventure, with a Continuation of the Intrigues of Some French Ladies, and the Policy of Mademoiselle Coignet in Regard of Her Brother. It cannot be supposed that either of our young lovers enjoyed much true repose that night though the fatigue of the dance might naturally require it, the one did but just know herself a lover before she felt the worst torments of that passion in her jealousy, and the other, having been compelled, as it were, to lay open his heart in order to convince his charmer it had no object but herself in view, knew not but his temerity in doing so might be imputed to him as no less a crime than that from which he attempted to be cleared each had their different anxieties but those of horatio were the least severe because through all the indignation of his mistress he saw marks of an affection which he could not have flattered himself with if they had not been evident and conscious of his innocence doubted not but time would both explain that and reconcile the offended fair whereas charlotta was far from being able to assure herself of her lover's fidelity she could not conceive how, in the compass of one night, such a plurality of mistakes should happen to the same man, and trembled at the reflection that this man, who possibly was the falsest of his sex, should not only have made an impression on her heart, but also, by the concern she had so unwarily expressed, have reason to triumph in his conquest. Ashamed, therefore, of what she felt, and determined to make use of her utmost efforts to conceal it for the future if not to conquer it she thought to shun all occasions of seeing or speaking to this dangerous invader of her peace was the first step she ought to take but how little is a heart possessed of the passion hers was capable of judging for itself or maintaining any resolutions in prejudice of the darling object she had no sooner set it down as a rule to avoid him than she began to wish for his presence and contented herself with thinking she desired it only out of curiosity to hear what he would say and to have an opportunity by a rallying manner of behaviour to destroy whatever conjectures he might have formed in favour of his passion but all this time she deceived herself and in reality only longed for an interview with him in hopes he would find means to justify himself horatio who was impatient to attempt it seeing her at a distance walking on the terrace with no other company than mademoiselle de coignet went immediately to join them thinking that if the presence of this lady might be a bar to many things he wanted to say to charlotta it would be of service to him another way by preventing her from making him any reproaches as soon as he came near i owe you little thanks horatio said mademoiselle de coignet laughing for the interruption you gave me last night in the multiplicity of those reflections which his own affairs had occasioned him he had entirely forgot the lady in the window and imagining some other accident had happened which should make him appear yet more guilty in the eyes of charlotta asked her with some impatience what she meant don't you remember answered she that you brought me a message from a certain lady yes madam said he and in that thought i did no more than my duty obliged me to as she seemed under some perplexity which i supposed she was impatient to acquaint you with you judged rightly indeed resumed de coignet but had you known how gladly i would have dispensed with the honour of her confidence i dare answer you would have spared it me i'll tell you my dear pursued she turning to charlotta for the secrets of this lady are pretty universal and i am certain that i have heard from no less than fifty different persons that very affair she was in such a hurry to inform me of last night you must needs have heard of the amour between madame la boissy and the chevalier de mourambeau frequently replied charlotta her ridiculous jealousies of him having long been the jest of the whole court and i never go to Marly or versailles but i am told of some new instance of it and yet to relate a long story of her passion and his ingratitude said mademoiselle Le Coignet, was i last night dragged into a dark corner and deprived for an hour together of all the pleasures of the masquerade it seems she had overheard some gallant things between him and the daughter of the count de Grandpre, and that gave her the occasion of running into a recapitulation of all the professions of constancy he had made to herself the proofs she had given him of too easy belief and the little regard he now paid to her peace of mind i was obliged to affect a pity for her misfortunes and gratitude for the trust she reposed in me though neither the one or the other merited in reality anything but contempt one often suffers a good deal from one's complaisance this way said charlotta and for my part there is nothing i would more carefully avoid than secrets of this nature but you have not told me how far horatio was accessory to bringing you into this trouble he then said that he would save mademoiselle de Coignier the labour and immediately related how the lady they were speaking of threw herself upon him and afterwards enjoined him to deliver the message but, added he i think last night was one of the most unfortunate ones i have ever known since with all the care i could take i was continually prevented by other people's concerns from prosecuting my own i was not only insulted and reproached for being mistaken for some other person for it could happen no other way but also soon after received a letter no less mysterious to me than the blow which doubtless came from the same quarter as there is no name subscribed or if there were I should look on myself as under no obligation of secrecy, I will beg leave to communicate it to you, ladies. With these words he took the letter out of his pocket and held it open between them. Charlotta conquered her impatience so far as not to take it out of his hand, but Mademoiselle Coignet snatched it hastily, imagining she knew the hand. Nor was she deceived in her conjecture. She had no sooner read it slightly over— See here, Mademoiselle Charlotta, said she, a new proof of Madame delon's folly, and my brother's continued attachment to that vile woman. Charlotta then looked over the letter with a satisfaction that was visible in her countenance, and as soon as she had done, Then it is plain, said she, that Horatio was mistaken for Monsieur de Coignet. But how it happened so is what I cannot conceive. I can easily solve the riddle replied mademoiselle de Coigney, i heard my brother say he intended to wear a hunting-dress at the masquerade but being disappointed of going to it by his most christian majesty sending for him to Mali, i suppose too suddenly for him to give notice of his enforced absence to madame dollon and horatio by chance appearing in the same habit which he had doubtless told her he would be in and their sizes being pretty much alike she might very well be deceived and also have a seeming reason for the jealousy and rage her letter testifies nothing could exceed the joy horatio felt at this unexpected ecclesissement of his innocence which was also doubled by the pleasure which in spite of all her endeavours to restrain it he saw sparkle in the eyes of his beloved charlotta neither of them however had any opportunity of expressing their sentiments at this time de coignet continuing with them till dinner when they all separated to go to their respective tables the next day afforded what in this he had sought in vain he found her alone in her own apartment and having broke the ice was now grown bold enough to declare his passion with all the embellishments necessary to render it successful mademoiselle charlotta knew very well what became the decorum of her sex and was too nice an observer of it not to behave with all the reserve imaginable on this occasion all the freedom she had been accustomed to treat him with while ignorant of his or her own inclination was now banished from her words and actions and she gravely told him that if he were in earnest it was utterly improper for her to receive any professions of that kind without the approbation of monsieur de palfoy her father and as there was but very little probability of his granting it, on many considerations, she would wish him to quell in its infancy an affection which might otherwise be attended with misfortunes to them both. It is certain indeed that in this she spoke no more than what her reason suggested. She knew very well that her father had much higher expectations in view for her, and that on the least suspicion of her entertaining a foreigner, and one who seemed to have no other dependence than that of favour, she should be immediately removed from Saint-Germain, so that it behoved her to be very circumspect in any encouragement she gave him. But, though she spoke to him in this manner, it was not, as her actions afterwards fully demonstrated, that she really designed what she said should make him desist his pretensions, but that he should be careful how he let anyone into the secret of his heart. She foresaw little prospect of their love ever being crowned with success, yet found too much pleasure in indulging it to be able to wish an extinction of it, either in him or herself, and in spite of all the distance she assumed, he easily perceived that whatever difficulties he should have to struggle with in the prosecution of his addresses, they would not be owing to her cruelty. They were both of them too young to attend much to consequences and as securing the affections of each other was what each equally aimed at neither of them reflected how terrible a separation would be and how great the likelihood that it must happen they knew not how soon as the remonstrances of mademoiselle charlotta had all the effect she intended them for on horatio he so well commanding himself that no person in the world except the baron de la valliere who was absent had the least intimation of his passion they might probably have lived a long time together in the contentment they now enjoyed had not an accident of which neither of them could have any notion put a stop to it horatio thought no more on the affair of madame d'Olonne and the monsieur de coignet from the time he had been cleared of having any concern with that lady yet was that night's adventure productive of what he looked upon as the greatest misfortune could befall him but to make this matter conspicuous to the reader it is necessary to give a brief detail of the circumstances that led to it this lady who was wife to the Baron delon was one of the most beautiful and the most vicious women in the kingdom she entertained a great number of lovers but there was none more attached to her or more loved by her than young monsieur de coignet he had for a long time maintained a criminal correspondence with her to the great trouble of all his friends who endeavoured all they could but in vain to wean him from her he had lately a recounter with one of her former lovers which had like to have cost him his life and it was with great difficulty and as much as the relations on both sides could do by representing to the king that they were set upon by street robbers that they avoided the punishment the law inflicts on duelists de coignet was but just recovered of the hurts he had received when so far from resolving to quit the occasion of them he made an appointment to meet her at the masquerade they had described to each other the habit they intended to wear when, as he was preparing for the rendezvous, an express came from the king, commanding his immediate attendance at Marley, where the court then was. This was occasioned by old Monsieur de Coigney, who having by some spies he kept about his son received intelligence of this assignation, had no other way to disappoint it than by the royal authority, which he easily procured, as he was very much in favour with his majesty, and had laid the matter before him. The person who came with the mandate had orders not to quit the presence of young Coignet, but bring him directly, by which means he was deprived of all opportunity of sending his excuses to Madame lonne who coming to the masquerade big with expectation of seeing her favourite lover, and finding him, as she imagined, engaged with others and wholly regardless of herself, was seized with the most violent jealousy and not able to continue in a place where she had received so manifest a slight desired mademoiselle de freville her confidante and companion to upbraid him with his inconsistency which request she complied with in the manner already related and which gave mademoiselle charlotta such matter of disquiet the amorous madame d'Olonne, however having given vent to the first transports of her fury could not hinder those of a softer nature from returning with the same violence as ever, and for the gratification of them wrote that letter which Horatio received, and occasioned afterwards the explanation of the whole affair, which explanation he then thought fortunate for him, but by a whimsical effect of chance it proved utterly the reverse. Mademoiselle de Coigney who had the most tender affection for her brother, and passionately wished to make him break off all engagements with a woman of Madame D'Alon's character, and who might possibly bring him under many inconveniences, took the hint, which Mademoiselle Charlotte unthinkingly gave, by telling her how she had been affronted on his account by de Freville, of putting something into his head which might probably succeed better than all the attempts had hitherto been practised to make him quit his present criminal amour the first time she saw mademoiselle de freville she told her as a great secret that her brother was fallen in love with mademoiselle charlotte and that she believed it would be a match for he had already engaged friends to solicit monsieur de palfoy on that score this she knew would be carried directly to madame Dolonne, And doubted not, but it would so increase her jealous rage that all he could say in his defence would pass for nothing. She also added that he was in the masquerade that night, though for some private reasons best known to himself, said she, he had ordered his people to give out he was gone to Marley. De Freville, who was the creature of Madame d'Olonne, no sooner received this intelligence than she flew with it to her as mademoiselle de coignet had imagined neither did it fail of the desired effect when he came to visit her as he did on the moment of his return from Marly, the violence of her temper made her break out into such reproaches and exclamations as a man had need to be very much in love to endure he endeavoured to make her sensible of her error by a thousand protestations but the more he talked of Marly and the king's command the more she told him of charlotta and the masquerade and almost distracted to find he still persisted in denying he was there or had ever made any tender professions to that lady she proceeded to such extravagancies as he who knew himself innocent could not forbear replying to in terms which were far from being softening in fine they quarrelled to a very high degree and some company happening to come in at the same time hindered either of them from saying anything which might palliate the resentment of the other before they had an opportunity of meeting again mademoiselle de Coigney saw her brother and artfully introducing some discourse of mademoiselle charlotta de palfoy began to run into the utmost encomiums of that lady's beauty virtue wit and sweetness of disposition and at last added that she should think herself happy in having her for a sister young de coignet listened attentively to what she said he had often been in her company but being prepossessed with his passion for madame d'olonne her charms had not that effect on him as now that the behaviour of the other had very much lessened his esteem of her he replied that he knew no lady more deserving than the person she mentioned and should be glad if, by her interest, he might have permission to visit her. This was all Mademoiselle de Coigney wanted; she doubted not, but if he were once engaged in an honourable passion, it would entirely cure him of all regard for Madame d'Olonne, and, as she knew he had a good share of understanding, thought that when he should come to a more near acquaintance with the perfections of charlotte, the loose airs of the other would appear in their true colours and become as odious to him as once they had been infatuating finding him so well inclined to her purpose she took upon herself the care of introducing him as it was indeed easy to do considering the intimacy there was between her and charlotta that young lady received him as the brother of a person she extremely loved and little suspecting the design on which he came treated him with a gaiety which heightened her charms and at the same time flattered his hopes that there was something in his person not disagreeable to her mademoiselle de Coigney took care that every visit he made to charlotta should be reported to dollon which still heightening her resentment together with his little assiduity to moderate it made a total breach between them to the great satisfaction of all his friends in general those of them whom mademoiselle had acquainted with the stratagem by which she brought it all about praised her wit and address and as they knew the family and fortune of mademoiselle charlotta encouraged her to do everything in her power for turning that into reality which she at first had made use of only as a feint for the reclaiming of her brother the young gentleman himself stood in need of no remonstrances of the advantages he might propose by a marriage with charlotta her beauty and the charms of her conversation had made a conquest of his heart far more complete than any prospect of interest could have done. Not only Dolon, but the whole sex would now in vain have endeavoured to attract the least regard from him, and as he was naturally vain, he thought nothing but Charlotta de Palfoy worthy of him. The success he had been accustomed to meet in his love affairs emboldened him to declare himself much sooner than he would have done had he followed the advice of his sister and too soon to be received in a manner agreeable to his wishes by a lady of charlotta's modesty and delicacy even had she not been prepossessed in favour of another for though she respected him as the brother of her friend that consideration was too weak to hinder her from letting him know how displeasing his pretensions were to her and that if he persisted in them she should be obliged to refuse seeing him any more. He was now sensible of his error, and endeavoured to excuse it by the violence of his passion, which he said would not suffer him to conceal what he felt. But as, when a heart is truly devoted to one object, the sound of love from any other mouth is harsh and disagreeable, the more he aimed to vindicate himself in this point, the more guilty he became, and all he said served only to increase her dislike mademoiselle de Coigney, after this took upon her to intercede for her brother's passion but with as ill success as he had done and being one day more importunate than usual mademoiselle charlotta grew in so ill a humour that she told her she was determined to give no encouragement to the amorous addresses of any man unless commanded to do so by those who had the power of disposing her but added she i would not have monsieur de coigney make any efforts that way for were he to gain the consent of my father which i am far from believing he would do i have so little inclination to give him those returns of affection he may expect that in such a case i should venture being guilty of disobedience is there anything so odious then madam in the person of my brother said de coigney with a tone that showed how much she was piqued i never gave myself the trouble of examining into the merits either of his person or behaviour replied she but to deal sincerely with you i have a perfect aversion to the thoughts of changing my condition and if you desire the friendship between us should subsist you will never mention anything of it to me and as to your brother when i am convinced i shall receive no further persecutions from him of the nature i have lately had He may depend on my treating him with my former regard till then you will do me a favour and him a service to desire he would refrain his visits these expressions may be thought little conformable to the natural politeness of the french or to that sweetness of disposition which mademoiselle charlotta testified on other occasions but she found herself so incessantly pressed both by the brother and the sister and that all the denials she had given in different manner had been without effect, therefore was obliged to assume a harshness which was far from being natural to her, in order to prevent consequences which she had too much reason to apprehend. Horatio soon discovered he had a rival in Monsieur de Coignet, and though he easily saw, by Charlotta's behaviour, that he had nothing to fear on this score, yet the interruptions he received from the addresses of this new lover made him little able to endure his presence and he sometimes could not refrain himself from saying such things as had not the other been too much buoyed up with his vanity to take them as meant to himself must have occasioned a quarrel she made use of all the power she had over him in order to curb the impetuosity of his temper whenever he met this disturber of his wishes but his jealousy would frequently get the better of the respect he paid her and they never were together in her apartment without filling her with mortal fears-she therefore found it absolutely necessary to get rid of an adorer she hated in order to hinder one she loved from doing anything which might deprive her of him-and though she had a real friendship for Mademoiselle de Coignet yet she chose rather to break with her than run the hazard she was continually exposed to by her brother's indefatigable pursuit but all her precaution was of no effect as well as the enforced patience of horatio what most she trembled at now fell upon her and by a means she had least thought of madame d'Olonne, full of malice at being forsaken by her lover and soon informed by whose charms her misfortune was occasioned got a person to represent to the baron de palfoy the conquest his daughter had made in such terms as made him imagine she encouraged his passion neither the character family or fortune of de coignet being equal to what he thought charlotta might deserve made him very uneasy at this report and as he looked on her not having acquainted him with his pretensions as an indication of her having an affection for him he resolved to put a stop to the progress of it at once which could be done no way so effectually as by removing her from saint-germain To this end the careful father came himself to that court, and waited on the princess. He told Her Highness that being in an ill state of health, and obliged to keep much at home, Charlotta must exchange the honour she enjoyed in her service for the observance of her duty to a parent, who was now incapable of any other pleasures than her society. The princess, to whom she was extremely dear, could not think of parting with her without an extreme concern, but, after the reasons he had given for desiring it, would offer nothing for detaining her, on which she was immediately called in and made acquainted with this sudden alteration in her affairs. End of chapter 7